Happy Mother's Day to all you moms. And as Kurt said before, to those of you who mother in the spirit, your job is equally as important. For those of you who don't know, I am Sharice. I am Kurt's wife. We have four children, and their names are Isabella, Isaac, Levi, and Samuel. We are busy parents, but I want to share with you today something that the Lord put on my heart several months ago. I'm going to condense it down and um, for sake of time for all of you today. But we had a beautiful time in God's presence, and that is what is most important. So what I felt the Lord put on my heart is, what you begatten? And that is terrible grammar, isn't it? But we see that word in Scripture, begat. He begat this person, and he begat that person. And you begat somebody, and these parents right here begat someone, and I begat and begat and begat and begat. So we all begat, and we begat in the Spirit too. And I want to hone in on that generational increase. And a legacy is something that we pass on, is it not? We all have these family trees, and sometimes we get things out of our family trees that we don't want. Wide feet, big nose, you know, uh, the wiry hair you might not want. Maybe you got the pretty eyes and the nice smile. But there are things in our family trees we don't want, but there are things that we do want. A legacy is what continues to exist after one stops working or passes away. So when all else has faded away, a legacy is what remains. A legacy is understanding your inheritance. It gives you insight to your identity, and then it frees you to impart it to the next generation. That is when the legacy can last. In both the Old and the New Testaments, Genesis, Matthew, threaded all through, that's where the begatten began. It's when we see it move from family to family to family. I want to share a written testimony with you today. And I want to see, I want you to see how the shaping of this person, both in the physical begatten and in the spiritual, produced great fruit. I was a girl, a young girl. 21 years of age, who was embarking on a wedding with all the starry-eyed bliss that goes along with it. I was a young Christian and on top of the world. I was waitressing that summer and had just filled a large container with ice to take to a location to prepare food. I stood up from the position where I had, was about to step, and I stepped on a piece of ice that would change my world as I knew it. As I lost my footing, down I came, trying my best to keep this very large container from falling upon me. I caught my fall with one hand, and from that point, I would be in a battle against Goliath like I had never known before. You see, the force of the fall caused my hand to break and shattered the bone, and it protruded out of the skin. This didn't look good. But the next thing I knew I remember being prepped for surgery in a hospital. When I woke up, I was casted, and there was a metal pin sticking out of that cast to hold everything into place. I thought, oh, in a few weeks, I'll be back to normal, but this was not the case. I developed staph infection, which caused me to endure three more surgeries to continue to clean out the infection and to be put yet into another cast with yet another pin holding everything back in place. The recovery was going from bad to worse, and a year had passed now, and I was required to have a fifth surgery. 
At this point, I was frail, but I was still determined to want to get married. I had now developed osteomyelitis, which was an infection that had spread into my bones and had carried the staph infection now into my blood. Every antibiotic that was tried ended up working against me, which caused some serious side effects. I was blind for a day. I lost my hearing for another. I couldn't eat. I was in Mercy Hospital, and a local young doctor who had a practice in Washington, Pennsylvania, was a young resident there at the time, and he remembers the discussions about my dismal case, about their roundtable discussions of me. And that doctor was Dr. Silvis. I had many young residents parade in to see this young woman who, who watched as the head doctor would discuss my, de my deteriorating condition. My osteo doctor would just sit on my bed for long periods of time with his head in his hands. They even put a write-up in the Pittsburgh Press at that time asking for any information that someone might be able to share for my treatment. Many people wrote the doctor with suggestions, but none seemed to work. I laid as still as I could. The pain was absolutely unbearable. As a young Christian, I would repeat the 23rd Psalm. I would pray as my mother taught me and her father taught her. My doctor came into my room one day and sat next to me and said, in all fairness to my fiancé and I, it was time to call off the wedding and begin to make funeral arrangements. He had done all he knew to do. I was declining. A priest came into my room that night and gave me my last rites. So I realized this wasn't good at all. And I told God, I was ready to come to heaven. I was disappointed. I wasn't being able to be married. But if this was his plan, I was ready. God has called us to tread on sickness and disease. 1 Peter 2.4 declares that we have been healed by his stripes. There are more acts of healing in the Gospels of Luke than any other book. Jesus never turned down a single person who asked for his healing. He has the power to put us back together again. When we are his weakest, the power of God and his mightiness is right there for us if we call on him. The same process that saves a person heals a person. These both involve a prayer of faith which simply is confidence in God. Both salvation and healing are manifestations of God's grace toward us through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. Trust God at his word. Allow him to show up and show off. People don't have the final say. God does. Man's facts are not our faith. My future mother-in-law was new to the charismatic movement in the early 70s and asked two spirit-filled men from the St. Thomas More Church in the South Hills to come and pray for me. They came into my hospital room and laid hands on me and began to pray in their heavenly language, speaking in tongues. I, again, being a newer Christian, didn't understand, but laid still, hoping they would be not real long-winded because I was so ill and it hurt so badly to touch me. But... I started getting really warm from head to toe. I, I was starting to feel good, and the, and the pain was beginning to leave. I was able to sit up while they were there, and I felt really good. I received a healing, praise be to God. They left shortly after they prayed, and I got out of bed for the first time in three weeks. A nurse came into my room for a routine check, and she was startled to see me standing. 
I told her what had happened and she immediately called the doctor. He was home, but he returned quickly to the hospital. He hurried into my room, hugged me, and was amazed what God had done. Listen to this. The next day, I was sitting on my bed feeling great. And a young girl, like 12 years of age, who looked like she was in her early teens, came in and sat on a chair next to my bed in her pajamas with a yellow house coat on. She asked if I was saved. And I explained I was and shared what had happened the night before. Wouldn't you share it? She asked if I would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I agreed. She prayed with me and left. I walked over to the window, looked out over the city of Pittsburgh, and began speaking in tongues. I went to find that young girl on my hall, but I could not. I asked the nurse's station and described her, but they did not know what I was talking about. I decided she was an angel who came to visit me. God was really showing off. The next couple of days, I underwent tests to confirm my healing. That amazed the staff on the before and after results of my condition. I left the hospital in late April and was married in June to my wonderful husband of 40 years. The young girl in this story who was miraculously healed, married, became my mother, Debbie Fragella. The inheritance of my mother's salvation she firmly grasped onto. She then immediately begat unto my sisters and I. Her salvation was not ours. We had to have our own, but she taught us how to have it. She would argue that she wasn't the best mother every day, just like those of us who are parenting, right? We feel like we fail from time to time, but she and my father imparted to us the glorious, priceless inheritance of Christ. As children, we did not know her full testimony. I think the element of death would have frightened us. However, the life that exuded from my mother kept the house hopping and had us having fun as kids. She later became a teacher. She was a teacher for over 30 years, both at CCA here and at Washington Park School. Many of you were in her class. She was a hard worker, and where Satan wanted to zap the life from her, she says, na 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 every day to him and treads on him with her endless energy. If you know my mother, she doesn't stop. She taught us to pray, how to intercede for others, and how to listen for the voice of God. But something else she taught us to do was to find other godly women in the church here and to attach ourselves to them. She didn't just begat us in the physical and in the spirit. She also taught us to find others to begat spiritually. Deuteronomy 32.18 says, Of the rock, the rock who begot you, you are unmindful and forgot the God who fathered you. The priest Eli in 1 Samuel He forgot the God. He became so focused on his own kids that he forgot God the Father, and he died a terrible death as a result. You can read those chapters today in 1 Samuel 2 through 4, that story if you want to jot it down for the sake of time. 
other households who were faithful to God and begatten, and they got begetten, however you want to say it, were households of Naomi and Ruth. You know, Ruth, she didn't have to stick around, did she? She was just a daughter-in-law. There's that classic mother-in-law, daughter-in-law story, but she stayed. And Naomi was a bitter woman. She was cranky, you know? Who wanted to stick around with her? But Naomi was loyal and she stayed. And from that story where you talk about legacy, Naomi was from Bethlehem, but she, she was hungry in her family. She left her homeland. Don't ever leave your homeland until God tells you to. Ruth was a Moabite, which is from the line of Lot. That's Abraham's greedy nephew. That wasn't good. And Boaz, the redeemer, he was a nice guy, but he was from the line of Rahab, and Rahab was not a nice girl, and she did not do nice things. Naomi comes back to her homeland with Lot's great-great-whatever descendant, and she's still hungry. Ruth marries the harlot's grandson, and from this modern-day mess, a king is born. How that all works, I never understand it, but God knows. And so for you, if you think your family can't rise from the ashes, you're going to have to stop throwing your temper tantrums, lace up your boots, and start walking with Jesus. You know, you listen to my mother's testimony, the love of the fathers all over it. It was built in eternal for her, from her grandmother or her grandfather to her mother, the healing power of Jesus. But there were some bitter years in between. But she had a sozo moment with the Heavenly Father, and she didn't look back. And because of that, she and my father were married. She had three lovely daughters, 10 grandchildren in under 10 years. Think about that. That was a busy Christmas. We, but my sisters and I, we pray together. We, we pray from such an extreme level of faith because of my parents. And it's a firm foundation. I don't say that boastfully. Just this week, we were texting about Samuel from the Bible and commanding sickness from one another's bodies and discussing legacy in our households. That would not have been possible if my parents begat in any other way for us. Now, I told you I begat and begat and begat and begat. So come here, J. Crew. Yeah, J. Crew, come here. These are my people. Hmm. Come on. Hmm. They're all pretty good looking, though. Get it? You get it from dad or from me? Oh. <laughs> so in our household, we. I've coined a phrase that families stick together, and I know Kurt has used it here too. But where, you know, where the boys have a soccer game, we're there. If daddy has a meeting and, you know, we need to move dinner up a little bit more so we can eat together, that's what we do. If Isabella has a school function, we're there. If I need to be somewhere and you, you're coming with me, no complaints, fold your socks, get over it. Families stick together, right? That's how it works. And I don't always get a yes mom and a smile about it, all the time, but eventually we'll get there, and it's okay. Someday I'll pass away, and you should cry a little bit about it, okay? <laughs> they might say I was a good cook. They might say, I hope, I hope you say I love Jesus, but it's what I begat in them in the spirit that will be most important. It won't be if I taught Isabella to be a good cook or the boys to, you know, wash clothes. It'll be if 
I taught them about Jesus, right? Okay. <laughs> Colossians 1.12, we have been qualified to be partakers of the inheritance. What in the world did we do to be qualifiers of the inheritance? How did we qualify ourselves? We didn't do anything. Jesus did it all. Jesus did it all. He went to work, paid the rent, left, paid the tab, and left us cash to work with until he comes back for us. And isn't that crazy? That's how an inheritance works. We work hard for the money to leave it for them. Right? Isn't that how an inheritance works? So that they have it for afterwards when we're gone. He worked hard for the money, left it for us, so that when he comes back, it's all paid for. It's paid for now. It's paid for later. Remember, legacy is what remains. Please turn with me to 1 John 5. 1 John 5. It will be on the screen too. 1 John 5. Some of you are listening today and saying, yeah, you don't know my family. Or I face such heartache. Loss. Maybe I've lost a child. Or I'm the only one in my family who's a Christian. I'm still praying for 15 people in my family to come to know the Lord. But 1 John 5, 1 through 4. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we will love the children of God. By loving God and carrying on his commands. In fact, this is the love of God. Love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, hallelujah, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. As children of God, it's not burdensome. We just walk it out with him together. In um, Titus 2, Paul fathers a young man named Titus. Paul never married. We know that he never married, and he fathered many children in the faith. 1 Corinthians 4.15 says that he begat children in the faith. We admonish one another, build each, other's, build each other up. Even though Titus's instructions are for him, we can certainly use it. And if you just open up in your Bible, flip over a couple pages, you can see in Titus chapter 2, there's specific instructions for men and there's specific instructions for women. What you begatten? You know, I, this is what I love about Central here. We have all of these specialized groups, men's, women's, kids, older adults, parents, singles. We're all growing together and reflecting Christ. We all have the same inheritance as children of God, joint heirs with Jesus. You know, um, our women's ministry team, we just had an event a few weeks ago, the spring cleaning. You know, the one you ladies didn't want to come to because you thought you had to clean at? Oh, that one. But what I love about this ministry team is that we are a randomly put together group of ladies. Some were pre-existing, um, still working through, and some of us jumped on the train, and the ministry was growing, and we fasted and prayed together. The old ones teach the young ones, and us young whippersnappers, I guess we have a few things to help out the old ones, the seasoned saints. But the friendships have been forged, and we're rooted in Christ, and Titus 2.4 is being accomplished in that ministry team as we pray and ask God to direct us for the women of the church. You know, we have an open texting thread open on our phones 24-7. We're always texting each other and praying for one another and sharing scripture. 
It's a beautiful picture of family in hand. The old teaching, the young in Titus 2, does not mean just your natural age. It can mean your spiritual growth. You know, some of you are new to Christ and you need someone to come alongside of you, both men and women. You need someone. You know, you might see somebody in the sanctuary and say, man, that, that, that older gentleman, he, man, he prays with such fervency. I should get to know him. Yeah, you should. Ask him to lunch one day and pick his brain. And maybe he has some fabulous stories of growing up and maybe he wasn't always so strong in his faith. The same for us women. You know, there's maybe an older woman in the church that you need to get along um, and, and maybe ask her out to coffee and say, what is it that makes you so strong in the Lord? And that is how those relationships are forged as we grow along together. And then you beget children in the spirit. And that's what makes our family here at Central, even stronger. In 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is his great mercy that we have been born again. Aren't you glad you're born again? Because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation when we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is revealed on the last day for all for you to see. A pure and undefiled, without decay. What are you begotten? I want to try something with you today. It's a social experiment. Okay? We see these all the time, right? A social experiment. I grew up in this church. And as I mentioned before, my mom would, you know, point out to us girls, my sisters and I, um, people that were doing it right, older ladies who were doing it right, as the old teach the young. And sometimes I just observed. They didn't always know I was watching. Remember, it's not always what is taught, it's caught. And so I want to do a social experiment. I'm going to call this the Titus 2-4 tag. So if you get tagged, if your name gets called, will you stand to your feet? and stay standing. And I want you to see, I hope this makes a visual impact of people who raise us up in the faith. Mom, you gave me life on all facets. I'll tag you first. You have to stand. Mom Kathy, she prays simply and helps everyone without partiality. This is Kurt's mom, by the way. If you appreciate Kurt like I do, then you have to appreciate this woman right here. <laughs> All right. Carol Volpe. Carol Volpe. She may have single-handedly wooed my heart and mentored me for ministry without ever knowing it. She's the real deal. Leslie. Other than living in my house, I lived at her house the most as a teenager. She loves the unlovable, the downtrodden, and letting, without letting her left and her right hand knowing. Thank you. Beverly, you don't have to clap. We'll clap at the end. Beverly, you taught me that prayer isn't a one-time deal. This woman has prayed for people in my family for decades. Jan, did Leah leave? Jan. Jan soothes my aching heart with scripture that a bruised reed cannot be broken. She shares joy that cannot be found in the world. The Hallelujah Sisters, you know who you are. That's what I call them. 
Many of them held, get up, let's go girls. Many of them held me in the nursery. They've known me since a child, but they keep on ticking. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hmm. Liz Kidder, she's not here today. She's in heaven, still giggling about something. But at the name of Jesus, there were tears of delight. I've never met a woman ever, 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 ever like her. Um, someone else isn't here today, Patty. She loved Jesus from a place of humility and worshiped sweetly. She caught my eye as a young teen, and I watched her for years. It's not often what is taught, but what is caught. Marsha. There she is. She makes me laugh. She keeps me on the phone too long. She teaches me about life, loves of creation, and sons. Trisha, a constant godly example to me, and goes. she's my go-to about raising young men. Ruthie Coolish. Girl, there's too much to talk about. <laughs> but you have invested in generations. You befriended my mother, taught me, and now all four of my kids. Thank you. You are a treasure. Jackie, Jackie C. Where'd she go? There she is. Today is the day of salvation, right? And there's no time to waste. Why should we wait so long to come to him? Franny Applegate, you here? Nope, she's not here today. What she bestowed on my Fragello family, the nuggets of godly wisdom she dumped into my mother's heart is now passed to me. I still want to wear high heels like Franny when I'm gray-haired. <laughs> she's forever priceless. Carol C. Carol C. Where's Carol? Back there. Girl, we've been singing for decades. But it's your humility and no-nonsense that makes me love you and you're still making yourself available to the master. The twins, where's the twins? Cheyenne and Talica, they leave. Okay. They invite more people to church than anybody I know, and they're still walking it out with Jesus, even when it was hard. The Burris girls back there, you two are strong and steadfast, and you make in-laws and outlaws look easy. <laughs> Glenna. As a young 20-something, I sat in your Sunday school and soaked up pearls of wisdom. It was my own Esther preparation <laughs> for what was to come. Diane, I saw her here. Diane L. Maybe she went to lunch, Diane. Kindness in situations when you didn't have to be. I will never forget it. Thank you. Women at Central Ministry Team. It's always a party with Jesus when we get together. Aren't you standing? Oh, they went out because they have to do something. Doing life is a joy. Kate. Kate. Principal Kate. You're my hero. You got this begotten thing down. You are a mother to lots and lots of kids. The gals in the office. All the gals in the office. They are the Ben's and the hers of who I am. Pastor Vicki. She blew in from Oklahoma with a tumbleweed, and there's a deep root of understanding, and we're both really stubborn. All the pastor's wives in the house. Right here is the bomb.com. Where are they? They're all doing something, because they're always busy. They're always busy. They are behind the scenes, behind their hubs, and they do it all for Jesus, and they help me make sense of myself. Isabella. I pray I am more like the Jesus I see in you. 
I'll help you be stronger and you help me be sweeter. Boys, you make life really full. <laughs> you push me to be stronger and I'll help you be sweeter. Alma, everybody's grandma. Pat, everybody's favorite. <laughs> I could go on and on and on and on, and this is just a slice of the pie. This is just a slice of the pie. This is just a slice of the pie. Judy, I got saved in your class. I got saved in Judy's class. Yeah, yeah. This is a lot of begatten. They begat in my life, and if they didn't, where would I be? If somebody didn't come and pray in my mother's hospital room, where would I be? I want everybody to stand so we can close and go to lunch. I don't want anybody's pot roast to burn at home. It's very important. Where do you want your kids to be? Ask yourself that. When you're someday gone from this earth, where do you want your kids to be? And look around. Where do you want your spiritual kids to be? This church matters. We got little babies. We've had up to 20 babies in the nursery the last couple weeks. We need some rockers, okay? And um, where do you want those little babies to be? How will you begat? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the ultimate parent. You are kind and you are gentle and you're patient and you're just. Thank you for setting up a structure in your word for helping us to succeed, to teach one another so that the next generation doesn't have to make the same mistakes we did. Psalm 78.4 reminds us to tell the praiseworthy deeds of the precious Lord to the next generation. How, fit, how fitting to raise up the next generation in the knowledge of all you are able to do. Help us, God, to work within that glorious inheritance you have waiting for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful week. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.